Macular degeneration is a leading cause of vision loss, with 15% of Americans being at risk or already affected. Scientific evidence proves that by using mesozeaxanthin, lutein, and zeaxanthin together replenishes the macular pigment and promotes healthier vision. This formula comes in only one product, MacuHealth. Hello, and welcome to the Open Your Eyes podcast. I'm Dr. Kerry Gill, the host of the documentary, Open Your Eyes. Please visit the film's website at openyoureyes2020.com, featuring interviews with more than 50 optometrists from around the country sharing information on eye care and eye disease. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell to get notifications of great new interviews. Also, please leave comments. Today, we have a very special show to welcome in the 2021 baseball season. Our guest is the best pitcher on the planet. No, it's not Cole DeGrom, but female USA World Cup pitcher, Marty Cimentelli. For more on Martina, let's watch her profile on the New England Sports Network. Women have made their way onto a global stage in both soccer and ice hockey, winning Olympic gold and countless new fans. Now this month in Vieira, Florida, another women's team is aspiring to do the same in baseball. And leading the charge is a local women's baseball phenom. Here's Gordon Eads with more. Marty Sementelli has been pitching almost from the time her father placed the baseball in her hands. Born in Newton, Marty's skills drew attention at an early age. She appeared on the Jimmy Kimmel Show and was just nine years old when she was featured on Nessa. Just two strikes and they get fooled, then we sort of change up. And they get fooled by change up a lot. I strike out a lot of boys. Marty played with and against the boys from Little League through college. But now, 16 years after showing Doug Mirabelli her best stuff, she is preparing to pitch for the U.S. national team against the best women ball players in the world. Every girl growing up, like their goal was to play in the major leagues, and mine was to play for the Boston Red Sox. Um, but then it hit a certain point where you know reality kicks in, and um, you know now I don't want to even face the guys anymore. I've done that. It's just like you're the only one being watched on the field. Uh, with the USA, it's cool because like no one's watching one particular player. We're all Team USA. It's like we're all the same. We're all girls, so it doesn't matter. Marty, thank you for joining me today. So tell me, how did you start learning to play baseball? Um, thank you for having me, Carrie. Um, yeah, I, I kind of was basically just uh, a ball was given to me at a very young age as a like a toddler, a two-year-old uh, growing up in uh, in Newton, Massachusetts. Um, my dad just wanted to get me out of the house uh, when the weather was nice or if the weather wasn't nice, we'd stay inside and just basically throw a bunch of baseballs and uh, see if I had an arm. So it was kind of just a fun thing to kind of keep you occupied in the house uh, and then it kind of you know, snowballed into something that I actually enjoyed doing and then wanting to just keep playing. So, um, yeah, kind of just my dad kind of just bonding with me. So what age did you really decide that you really liked baseball? Um, I would say at some point during Little League when I was like striking out the boys that thought it was just the most fun time ever. Um, you know, winning, being on the mound, center of attention, helping your team win. Uh, you're in control of the game. I, I want to say when I was around like eight or nine is when I really was just getting into it and wanting to really just keep getting better and better and better. Um, yeah, just at, at my youth. And how often do you have to practice to get at a level like you are? Um, me and my dad practiced every single day. It was uh, 
you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, we'll do it once a week, twice a week. Uh, no, it was every single day, no matter if it was a birthday, holiday, you know, Christmas, New Year's, whatever it was, it was, even if it was just 10 minutes of throwing, you know, just to keep your arm in shape. Um, something you gotta, you gotta practice every day as a young kid and then build off of that. Um, so it's practice isn't so important. It's not like uh, you can just be good at it every now and then type thing. So do you have to take time off as a pitcher in the winter and rest your arm, you know, as you're growing or did you practice every day, even in the winter and never really gave your arm any time off? Growing up as a kid, I, I never had any time off. Um, it was uh, basically throwing every single day. Um, you know, everyone was worried about you're going to hurt your arm, you're going to get injured, and, you know, but it's, it's if you're doing it the wrong way. Yes, if you're trying to throw as hard as you can every single day, you're going to have some problems. But if you're just playing catch lightly, you know, kind of mixing it up of what you do with your arm, uh, you know, you're not going to hurt yourself. As you get older, you know, you kind of, you know, don't go it as hard every single day, you know, you're not playing two or three games on a weekend like you normally would uh, growing up. But um, I definitely now have, you know, slowed down as far as not throwing every single day, but still th throwing throughout the year and uh, doing different things to keep my arm in shape. So what, when you were young and you would strike out the boys, were you striking them out with fastballs or were you changing speeds? When did you realize that you need to change speeds to really be an effective pitcher? For, I think, I started my first time ever pitching in games was when I was around seven. Um, and then I want to say around when I was nine or 10 is when I actually started throwing some off speed uh, in actual games. But when I was around, you know, eight or nine, I was fiddling around with grips, uh, basically just trying to learn how to get them, uh, you know, used to throwing them and what I needed to do for, to prepare for that. Um, so it was all in the planning process. But I want to say when I was around nine or 10 is when I was really starting to crank in some curveballs and, and change ups and splitters. So you used to read Leo Mazzoni's book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, um, I love the Braves growing up. I, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, but when I was younger, I loved Chipper Jones and um, Greg Maddox and Smoltz and all those guys, Glavin. They just had an arsenal of pitchers. Um, and my dad kind of introduced me into that book. Um, and it had a bunch of stuff about throwing programs, um, you know, conditioning, basically how to, what exercises to do um, off the field to prepare your arm. It's not just about throwing, but it's also doing other stuff off the field to strengthen your arm and recovery. Um, so we basically, it was like our Bible. We like, <laughs> we, we referenced it probably daily. Um, and it, you know, it's not the 500 page book. I mean, probably like a hundred pages um, gets to the point, but it's basically everything you need to follow. Um, an old school book too. I mean, it's black and white. It's just, it, it's got the grit and what, something that we've always followed growing up. What were the main parts? Was it basically the grip? Was it arm angle? What were some of the highlights of the book that you took into the game or that you learned with your dad that you concentrated on? It was a lot of the exercises that um, we did in the house, just like external internal rotations, um, uh, stuff to just maintain uh, muscle and so you don't hurt your arm or have any injury problems. Um, a lot of mechanical uh, stuff we pretty much followed and also grips we got a lot of grips from that um, and, and if we didn't even follow by the book we we based it off of that and then maybe kind of made it my own if it didn't work that way so we kind of had a starting point from that book and just kind of took it and then rolled with it so show me some of the exercises that you feel that are important uh, for arm care 
honestly, it, especially as you're like a younger kid, like nine or 10 years old, you're not going to be trying to lift so heavy. It's just about maybe five, six pound weights. And you're just doing stuff to um, like flies and stuff like that. Um, you're getting on the floor, internal, external rotations. We had uh, a little, like a little roller that we would roll up to work on our forearms. Um, just a little bit of upper body strength. Uh, as I got older, I started doing more band work uh, with like the J bands and stuff like that to help stretch out and not just stretch out, but it actually helps recovery as well. Um, just like inflammation and, um, you know, making your arm feel, you know, stretched out and loose for the next day. Uh, but it's something that as far as like growing up uh, with me, and my dad, we did about 10 minutes before I would go to bed every day. We did those exercises. You know, it's something that every single day you got to do your exercises. And of course it wasn't fun all the time, but it, in the long run, it definitely helped. So did you ever fight him on it? Oh, did I ever fight him? Probably daily. Yeah, <laughs> it was a daily struggle. Uh, you know, the days on the field, are, they're, you know, there's good days and there's bad days. You know, you, you know, you're not hitting your spots or, you know, you're button heads with your dad all the time on the field. Um, but, you know, those days on the field basically got me to where I am today and helped me in the future getting to play in high school, college and on USA. So, um, I basically, he, he did the, everything right as far as grinding it out with me and putting all the attention uh, as far as the practice. Because no one likes to practice. Everyone just likes to go be great in games. But it all starts with that. And why baseball and not softball? We, you know, I, obviously you're a pitcher, overhand pitcher, but were you a good hitter, good fielder? Did you ever think about playing softball? Um, I also, I wasn't always just a pitcher growing up. Uh, I played a lot of middle infield, mainly second base. I even loved to play first base, but I was so short. Uh, but I liked getting and in, being involved all the time, like pitching. So I wanted to play first base. Um, and I actually really liked hitting as a young kid. I, I, I always batted like around like the number two spot. I was just a singles hitter, always like a, a little blooper over the first baseman or second baseman. That was like my hit every time, still is to this day. Um, but it got to a point where, you know, I focused on pitching and then, uh, as I got older around that 12, 13 mark, everyone was asking me, you know, why not softball? Um, and I was just like, I don't know, why not baseball? I mean, it's something that I grew up. Why would you tell someone if they played a sport their entire lives to just switch all of a sudden to something they'd never done before? Um, in high school, I had a lot of the girls ask me, uh, why are you playing with us? Like, why aren't you playing on a softball team? And I said, well, why aren't you playing with me on the baseball team? You know, it's the same, it's the same thing, whatever you kind of got into. Uh, and growing up in Southern California as well, because we moved to um, California when I was three years old. So we were outdoors all the time, had the, the luxury of being, you know, 12 months a year, great weather. Um, you know, it's baseball. I was a really big hotbed of baseball. Softball wasn't even like near the spectrum. Uh, so I was just, put in the team with the boys and I never even really realized what softball was until like I was like almost a teenager until everyone kept asking me why am I playing <laughs> you know I have to ask you this how were you accepted by the boys and you know how'd they feel when you used to strike them out um I mean since I grew up uh with all these boys since we were five years old um into like high school everyone knew me in the town I was I had a lot of media attention and uh, I've been teammates with everyone so many times or playing against them. So it was just like a respect thing that everyone knew I could pitch and I kind of dominated the little league that uh, it was never really a big deal. Um, everyone kind of liked me because I helped them win the games and we had fun. And uh, I never, I never had a problem with the boys on my team or opponents. Um, occasionally it was just parents, honestly, that are kind of immature about the situation and would start yelling stuff and, 
um, get mad if I, you know, struck out their son over national television. They didn't want to be shown. So uh, other stuff that were off the field type stuff. And tell us about this, the, the, the world baseball or the USA baseball team for, for the girls. You know, people don't know about it. Tell us about that and the league and what's it all about? Yeah, no, um, we have a World Cup that um, is every two years. Um, it's, it's international. We have about 12 countries that are involved. Um, it started in the inaugural year was in 2004. So um, not that long ago, but still it's got, a, you know, a few years under its belt. Um, all girls teams, uh, all ages, basically, if you're like 16 and over, you're allowed to play. We don't have any like rules on how old you can be. Um, that's what's great about it. you have girls. On, I mean, I started when I was 15, 15 and a half. And we have girls that are like going into their 40s or in their mid 40s. So all ages. And it's great because a lot of them grew up playing baseball. And then at some point, you know, they had to switch over to softball at like, you know, D1 colleges. They got, a, you know, a full ride to go play softball and some of them you know played high school baseball and then switched over everyone has their own situation or how they found baseball again but USA baseball has gotten all of us together again and it gels us because we've all had a baseball background and been told you know we should be playing a different sport so it's really cool how we just mesh so well we all have this like underlying understanding for everybody um and we're, no one's a center of attention. That's what's the greatest is everyone is just a team. We're out there playing together. You're the USA team. You're not the girl on the baseball team. You know, you're not, you know, you're not the center of the spotlight. Um, so it's really cool. Um, it's uh, the WBSC. Um, they run everything and they've been great. Uh, they pick a new venue every two years. Our next World Cup is supposed to be in Mexico. Um, and then we'll see where it goes from here. But I've gotten to be a part of it since 2008. Um, and I haven't really looked back, gotten to travel all the world and uh, basically make my best, my best friends and uh, have the time of my life. It's been a great opportunity. What other countries are good besides us? Japan is uh, the powerhouse. We still have um, yet to beat them in a World Cup since I've been part of the team as far as uh, taking the gold over them. Um, Japan's number one. We've got Canada and Australia who are always – always powerhouses as well. Um, Chinese Taipei over the last couple of years have, have been really getting better and better each time. Um, and then we have, uh, you know, developing countries that are getting better, like the Dominican Republic and, and Cuba and so on. And um, for the first time, we have a couple other countries that are actually joining our World Cup. Mexico just got a team and um, France. So it, it's kind of getting a little bit more out there, which is good spreading awareness and, you know, more teams are forming which is great. You know, we're not, on, we're not on the big spotlight as far as television and, and stuff like that. We're not on ESPN or anything really, but um, we know they do stream our games through YouTube and slowly we're kind of scratching the surface. More people are little by little trying or, you know, finding out about it, which is good. Maybe one day it'll really get out there and we'll be able to have everybody watching us like the, like the little league world series or something like that. At your fastest, how fast can you throw it? Um, I had, it's been a few years, but I want to say probably 74. I always say that 74 is like the max out. Um, and I do throw a lot of off speed pitches. So, um, I'm not blowing it by them all the time, but I blow it by them when, cause I'm mixing the pitches up uh, super well. So location and, um, yeah, just being crafty, I guess you could say. And the best pitches in the world, uh, how fast do some of those female pitches throw? Any of them throw in the high eighties reach 90? Uh, 
pretty much the seventies is pretty much what you're going to see, um, is like mid to high seventies. Um, occasionally you'll see top outs at like 80, 81, 82, probably the max out, uh, but probably consistently like upper seventies, uh, on a, depending on what country, some of the, um, you know, not the developed teams, they'll be a lot slower, uh, definitely like probably in the fifties or sixties, but, um, like the big competitive teams, you're going to have to see high seventies or so. And how far are the fences? Um, so we normally play on uh, major league stadiums uh, of like normal men's league. So when we were, um, I don't know, when we were in Japan, my first World Cup, we were playing in the all dirt fields that you see, um, you know, on TV in the Japanese league or South Korea. Um, so they pretty much make this the same exact field dimensions. Um, the last World Cup, they put like a little bit of a fence, like a little bit in, but only like 10 feet. Uh, we're still playing at like the same dimensions. Um, and the only other thing we're using the, um, aluminum bats instead of wood. Um, so those are like the, the differences. And how often does, does a girl hit it over the fence? Um, and actually this last world cup, we had like, uh, just our team alone had like seven or eight. So, um, every year that starts to be becoming more of a, a bigger thing. I don't know. We're just getting more powerhouse hitters or we're just seeing the ball better but uh my first world cup i don't know if i saw like one and then every year prior to that it's been getting bigger and bigger um so yeah no we have a couple big time hitters that can crush <laughs> that's for sure and what kind of coaches do you have to help you with your pitching help the hitters with their hitting yeah i mean uh I've, we've had a lot of different coaches throughout the years since uh, i've been a part of the team um but this last uh coaching staff has stick with stuck with us since um the last year and um, our actually head coach is a former uh, player. She was my catcher uh, in my first few World Cups. So um, it's great knowing your, your coach so well and, you know, how they work and being a teammate and, you know, you got that respect. They don't need to get to know you. They already know you. Um, so that, that's there on a personal level. And that just goes so far from there. Um, usually everyone's from all over. You know, right now um, our coaching staffs, I think, you know, mainly in Miami and Texas. Um, but you know, once they see that, you know, who we are and, you know, respect us and see the talent, we, we get along so well with our coaching staff. So it's, that's never really been a problem. You, t you spoke before about being on television. Didn't you strike yeah. out Jimmy Kimmel? Did he get upset? Yeah, he did. I mean, his reaction, it, 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 it's pretty bad. I mean, it's on YouTube and he's so deflated, you know, after it, um, it was probably one of the coolest days of my life. And at the, at the time, it, it really was just like a typical day because I was 10 years old and didn't really know the reality of what was going on. Uh, but looking back on it, it was, it was so cool uh, just to be there. I mean, I got Jennifer Gardner back there, like making fun of Jimmy and Rich Eisen's doing the play-by-play. -play. Um, so that's when he was big on ESPN. So I don't know, it was pretty surreal how it all happened. And uh, my lights were on. Um, you know, the screen and everything like that at the El Capitan. Um, so yeah, it was one of the coolest things ever. <laughs> so was it inside at a studio or did you go outside to a field? So we started indoor in the studio to do the interview portion when I come out and I'm so nervous, you know, I'm just like this scared 10 year old and, you know, uh, doing the best I can. Um, and then they, on the studio lot in the back, they set up a whole batting cage uh, setup where I was going to pitch and he was going to hit and they were out there all day basically building this brand new cage uh, making sure I liked it was this okay with the dimensions what about this ball everything like that so during commercial break the whole live studio audience went in the back studio lot had benches all set up and had like a crowd and uh, 
me and Jimmy went in the cages and I had a, I had a catcher who was, the, uh, he played the sax in the band, Cleto, well, he was, he was a friend of mine too. And uh, he caught me and there was an umpire. It was really, it was pretty game-like. <laughs> Did you throw any balls? I, maybe one. I, and I get kind of like, oh, I don't know, but it was, it was a quick at bat. That's for sure. Yeah. Sure, uh, it's pretty much a three pitches. Did you throw any, any curveballs or you just throw them through heat to them? That's so funny. Cause they asked me that in the, in the, you know, the show after I strike him out and I go, nope, just straight fastballs. And it's like, yep, just smoke. And I was like, yep. <laughs> did he play baseball or that he I don't even know. I mean, he had a decent swing uh, for sure. And he, he always plays in the celebrity softball games and just for fun, you know, when they have an all-star break and stuff like that. Um, he, he's an athletic person. It's not like he was, I was striking out just anyone that didn't know how to swing a bat. So yeah, he was pretty mad about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fun. So for a professional athlete, someone like yourself, the other girls, people that, you know, you've worked with the Red Sox, what's their diet like? What's their lifestyle like to be able to, not only the exercises they do, but do they eat a certain way? Do they make sure they get to bed early to get enough sleep? Uh, do they do any kind of meditations, you know, any kind of stress reduction? Like the pillars of health, how close do they follow it or that or they you know they don't really even think about it throughout eating yeah, no I mean I think everyone every athlete's a little bit different on what uh, they need to do for their body to be ready for game days um I mean for the most part I would say 95 percent of the, the team eat, has a really great diet um you know we're all very fit um just to make the team you got to be the best of the best and um you know your running your stamina everything like that is going to be on top shape so Prior to that, you're training throughout the entire year to be ready for this point. So as far as, you know, hitting the gym all the time, um, that's like a major thing in everybody's life. You see, um, as far as like social media goes, people on my USA team are constantly working out, um, eating right. Um, yeah, I want to say like everyone gets the right, has a different type of thing that they do. I'm not sure if people like do yoga or meditation or anything like that, but uh, we're on a pretty good strict diets, I would, I would assume for a lot of us. So, I mean, do you stay away from processed food, sugar, uh, soda, or, I mean, are you eating mostly salads or foods with just one ingredient, like we preach to our patients that, you know, that are sick and that we're trying to improve their health? Yeah, I'd say we stay away from processed foods, pretty fresh, um, most freshes that you can get. And I, I would say no one really drinks soda, um, water, or like a lot of protein stuff or, um, you know, smoothies and um, vitamins and stuff like that um yeah we try to stay away from anything that's unhealthy fast food anything like that again you're gonna have your days where you know the weekend or something like that you're gonna have cheat days or whatever but for the most part you're sticking to your day-to-day -day and that's something that i do as well um you know eating protein and fresh vegetables pretty much throughout the week um and i think that's what most of my teammates do as well i notice now that the catchers a lot of times will use nail polish or tape their fingers so the pitchers can see the signs a little bit better. Uh, is that an issue where the, the pitcher is having trouble seeing uh, because they're only 60 feet away, 60 feet, six inches, or is it just because they're trying to hide the sign so much from the other team? Yeah, so um, I've had the problem of not being able to see as well at nighttime. Um, so during the day, no problem seeing the catcher's fingers uh, as far as being a pitcher. and um, But at night, for some reason, the reflection of 
you know, everything going on, it's so bright. And then, you know, you're looking into, you know, your catcher, whether it's kind of like a darkened tunnel where they're giving the signals and it's kind of hard to see. It's like this dark area. So uh, occasionally we'll, you know, I'll tell my catcher if I can't see their fingers, like, can you put nail polish or can you put tape, like white tape so you can see? And it kind of just helps so much. Um, it's not like usually, it's not usually the distance. It's just basically on the lighting of, of the day or, um, some, some lights are better than others, uh, or depending on how the field is faced or anything like that, kind of like a preference, but the, the tape and everything like that helps so much for, for a pitcher to see. How many different pitches do you throw? Oh man. So back when I was like 15 or 16, I had like ridiculous amount. I had like seven or eight pitches. I, I don't even know how I did that, but now I have four. I kind of. Uh, simplified everything and modified it. Uh, and now I have a fastball, uh, change-up, slider, and a palm ball. Um, so those, that's basically what I got going on right now. I used to have like two palm balls, another curveball, a splitter. So I, I was, it was a lot. And my catchers, they kept up. So we're kind of running out of fingers to, you know, to, for signals. We had to be really creative with it. <laughs> and how do you give the signal so the other team doesn't steal the, uh, the signs? How often do you have to change the signs during the day? When I was growing game, up, yeah, like my dad had the most simple signs ever. It was like one, you know, two. It was like, it was so simple. And he'd be like, this would be inside. And this one thing would be outside. And it would be so easy. Um, and people would try to pick the signs up all the time. People would call out like, she's throwing a change up. And we'd be like, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, but now on like USA and stuff like that, we have like such a system where, you know, everything is relayed or we have like, uh, they have like, sticker or bands over here where they look up the numbers and it's very secretive and uh, we don't really have a problem with it um normally ever uh but yeah growing up it was like they everyone was picking up my signs and we didn't care we're like whatever you can you can know what's coming you're not gonna hit it <laughs> so so now i mean when they start changing the signs does it get complicated where people have trouble remembering you know we're in this sequence or we're in that sequence um, not really. I mean, right now, um, I have a catcher that I've had for so long that we kind of have like, we're on the same page, like all the time. Um, so we're never really confused uh, with that. If we have to change something here and there, like sometimes it gets confusing when there's a runner on second. Um, and you don't want them to pick off, you know, a sign or anything like that. We got to change things up a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, I, I mean, we haven't really had any problems with anyone stealing them. So talk to me about the mental part of the game. How important, how important is that in baseball? Yeah, I mean, um, I'd say if you're not good uh, mentally, you can't be a pitcher. Um, there's too much going on in your head that you need to basically calm down all the, all the voices and the nerves and everything like that. You got to concentrate on your breathing and everything like that. Because if you're, if you're too tense and everything like that, you're not going to throw strikes. The balls are going to go everywhere. Um, people are going to get hit. Um, so mentally you just have to calm everything down and um what helped me growing up is i saw a movie called for the love of the game um and he, he gets on the mound and uh you know it's crazy crowds and he says clear the mechanism and it basically just shuts everything out you get in your zone and when you really think about it you're just throwing it i know everyone says it just throw the glove just throw the catcher's glove but really i shouldn't be looking to see if bryce Har harper's up against me because if i think that you know he's gonna hit a home run off me then he is uh, so basically just hitting my spots um and if things go wrong like you have to have a short memory you have to be like dory on on nemo like just forget about what happened like if someone gets a hit or someone makes it especially if someone makes an error because that really hurts you gotta just 
brush it off and just get after the next batter because if you don't brush it off, guarantee the next batter is going to get a hit and then it's going to be a you know a merry-go-round. So you just got to go after the next batter. Um, you can always tell like with certain pitchers if you get after them in the first couple innings, you go oh we're in their head, they're done. Send them you know bring in the bullpen because uh, you can tell when someone their body language and everything is is frustrated. So yeah, just basically showing no emotion to anybody. <laughs> Vision Edge gives you less eye strain and reduced damage caused by blue light. We like to call Vision Edge sunscreen for the eye. It all starts with your highest level of visual performance, only achievable through scientifically proven vision. Thank you for tuning into the Open Your Eyes podcast. If you like the video you're watching, please hit the like button. Also, hit subscribe for weekly new episodes of the podcast, along with pod winks and bonus content. All right, let's get back to the show. You know, I've noticed that like there's so many people that are really great, but I was watching, you know, I was watching the Yankees and Mariano Rivera blew a save and they asked him about it. He goes, well, that was today. Tomorrow's another day. And yeah. I guess the really great ones are able to just put that out of their mind and tomorrow's another day. This is part yeah. of the job. That's if you're, that's who's successful is just basically going to have the next one. You blow game six and go in the world series. Well, there's game seven. You gotta, we're going to be putting you in the same situation and we're going to count on you. Um, so yeah, you just, you gotta, you gotta basically trust in yourself and be confident in, in what your pitches are. So do you think uh, female uh, baseball players train differently, you know, as far as exercise than male baseball players? I think the only thing that would be different was, be, uh, is, uh, you know, how much weight is lifted or anything like that. Um, I, I would say nothing, nothing is different. You know, we're treated the same as far as how we uh, prepare our bodies. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, you know, in high school and in college, I did the same exact workouts as the guys next to me. The only difference is I just had like a little, you know, lighter weight. Um, I had still had to run the same amount. I had to do the same exercises. Uh, nothing was like, oh, well, since you're a girl, you can do these exercises. Uh, no, it was the same preparation uh, the whole, my entire life, at least for me. It seems like when I watch female golfers, you know, they have incredible form, maybe even better than the male golfers. Not that I'm an expert to be able to say, but, you know, it just seems to me like their form's better. And females, you know, I don't know why, but it seems like you can learn from them a little bit better than you could actually learn from the men. And I don't know if you um, ever got that impression. Kind of on the same topic as that. So when we, um, you know, have different coaches that come in for USA Baseball and they kind of, you know, work with us for a day or two, because, you know, some of them will be like, I've never worked with a woman baseball player, but then they'll, we'll have other people to be like, just try it out. You're going to love it. They, they will absorb everything you say. And it, they're great. Just, you know, work with them. And we've never had a coach not make a speech after they worked with us and be like, you guys are the greatest athletes I've ever worked with. It's just because the way that we retain the information, the way that we're paying attention, um, that we're asking questions, we're trying to get better where a lot of the guys are like, Oh, well, we're good. We don't need, we don't need, you know, to learn anything new. Um, and we're just, we want to absorb everything because we don't, we don't get a lot of the baseball knowledge that boys are just given. So when we get it in front of us, we try to take it and run with it. And I think the same with that, like there's a difference when you're coaching us. We just, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it has a better kind of relationship, I guess, and easier, easier to coach, I guess. Now, if you, I asked you to get a ball before we started so you could show me some of the different grips. So let's go over the different pitches that maybe you could help some of the kids at home 
Uh, yeah. I, I guess we'll start with the four seam, the four seam fastball. Yeah, so uh, we'll start with the four seam. I guess I can do it this way if that works. So the four seam fastball, kind of very traditional. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I, I mean, I just used my whole hand, but then you get to a point, two, two fingers on the seam. Uh, right now, I only throw a, a two seam fastball. Um, that's just me, uh, just to get more movement on it. Um, basically, just like this. On the, on the two seam, I put a little pressure on the middle finger, just so it gets a little bit of a, of a run going towards that right side, um, outside to a lefty batter. Um, my changeup, um, kind of a traditional circle changeup, but I don't close my um, the circle all the way. Uh, most people, I guess, would complete the circle. I almost do. Um, so that's like the full, I guess you can say it, wrap around. Um, and the biggest thing on this is, uh, you know, pronation, uh, making sure that you're throwing everything like a fastball, but when you get to a certain point, when you're extending, you rotate that towards your thumb down. That way you get that uh, break going uh, lower and not hanging, because <laughs> the hanging changeup is a, is a bomb. Um, uh, slider basically is the same grip as my, uh, my two-seam fastball. I just, instead of throwing it like a normal fastball, when I come to this point, I basically slice down the middle. Um, and that gives it that little break at the end. Um, a traditional palm ball, like in the Leo Mazzoni book, uh, it is basically gripped with four, uh, I guess like this. Uh, but that didn't work for me, like I said. So we tried it with two fingers um, and that seemed to work a lot better for me. And that pitch is just like throwing um, a fastball to right here. And then at the very end, I'm basically putting a cup down. I'm not turning my wrist or anything like that. And that's all coming out of the fleshy point of my um, like thumb area. You don't want to grip it too hard. Uh, you kind of look at it like it's like a, you're gripping an egg. If you grip it too hard, you're going to crack the egg. So nice and loose, a little gap right here and kind of just getting that, uh, that little spin. And that should be like a 12-6 curveball coming out of that, um, that hand. And you're not twisting or turning anything like that. And growing up, like people were like, oh my God, I can't believe you're throwing all these, you know, breaking balls and everything like that. But all these pitches that I do are very healthy and it's not strenuous on the arm uh, at all. Go back to the two seam that you throw. Just show us a little slower how you do it and how you, and how you finish the, uh, the pitch. Yeah, so um, I like to put a little bit more pressure on my middle finger. Uh, and basically, you know, everything, everything cha nothing changes at all. It's the same, same exact fastball. Uh, the grip basically will do the work. Um, if I'm a righty, uh, like I am, it'll be going towards that right side. Lefty would be go the opposite end. Um, I used to throw four seam and two seam, but um, as I got older and I was throwing against men that are in college, uh, I needed as much movement as I could get. So a straight fastball was just going to be too easy. So I kind of just always used the two seam fastball uh, as my as my number one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, those are basically my four simplified pitches. Do you know how to throw a cutter? Um, I currently do not. Um, it's something that I've been trying to figure out actually over quarantine. I tried it out and it didn't really work out, but I, I you know, maybe one day I'll end up throwing it again. <laughs> so what would be the grip though for a cutter? Um, people keep telling me that it would be like a four seam, um, on the four seams, putting them together and my thumb would be kind of all the way down. Uh, and I would just throw it just like a fastball. Um, nothing, nothing changes as well. Uh, your thumb is basically controlling how much uh, movement that you want. So wherever you're holding it uh, and you move it, it's more movement going down. Uh, 
that's that's what I've been told on the four seam. Um, there's a lot of funky cutters. Uh, it's kind of just like whatever works for you type thing, you know, whatever movement you can get out of it. And what kind of strategy are you using when you're pitching? Do you shake your catcher off a lot? Are you calling the pitches? Or are you letting her call the pitches and you're just kind of going along with what you think she thinks? I think I do the same thing that I've always done. Like, so my dad called the pitches when I was growing up. I always just said yes, and I never shook anything off. And I kind of do the same thing now. I kind of just listen to whoever's calling the pitches. And now I have, like, full faith in my catchers with USA. Um, I never really shake them off. No, I pretty much do what I'm told. And then if, if you know, if they get a hit afterwards, then I'll be like, maybe we shouldn't have thrown that pitch. But, no, I kind of just I, – I listen. <laughs> so talk to me about pickoffs. How do you do – show us how to do a pickoff. Show you to do pickoff. Well, I mean, I can try to stand. Uh, Picks off are, are a little bit tough. It's, it's, it's actually all about your feet, and unfortunately you can't see my feet. But um, if I'm a righty and I'm trying to go to first base, my vision, I mean, is pretty much cut off, like, completely. So I kind of peek over as much as I can. You know, I see you because I can turn my body. But once I set, I can't move. I can't. That's going to be a box. So I basically just try – best as I can to use my corner of my eye to see anything and really realistically you're you're really not seeing the runner at all you're you're seeing like the base if anything you're seeing them not on the bag um it's just like a fake out you're just trying to pretend that you can see them and throw over every now and then um but it, it's all of it's all about a timing thing you can't just do the same thing every single time set and then go or else they're gonna they're gonna know what you're doing every single time so it's um it's really hard because you can't look. Lefties have it so easy. They can just see you and they're watching you the whole time and they can kind of fake you out. That's why lefties are really tricky and you got to watch their, um, their feet um, and where they go. Um, and then I actually, I actually, one of my favorite thing is to pick off somebody because it's like the coolest, it's the coolest thing ever. I did it in a World Cup in 2016 to get out of a big jam, a two to one game uh, to kill the momentum. And I, I picked the runner off and she didn't move. The, my first baseman, was just like this. She didn't move. Um, so it got us a jam. It gets your team pumped up, especially on a third out. Um, gets gets your momentum kind of switched over to you guys. Uh, but yeah, pickoffs, uh, you know, it, it's visual, but at the same time, it's mainly faking someone out. <laughs> and how about like the pick, a pickoff to second base? Yeah, to second, a lot of it's timing with your shortstop. Um, if they're not there, then it's not going to go well. Um, you can kind of fake it out, but it's not really going to do anything. Um, a lot of them, you know, you've got to be on the same page with the, with the second baseman or the shortstop, whoever's, you know, involved in the play. Because as soon as they break, you got to know what they're doing and, and time it perfectly. And it's all about your footwork. you got to be really, really quickly. Because if you're taking these big, large steps, they're going to know exactly what you're doing and they're going to be, uh, beat you to the bag. And how often do you practice your fielding, your pickoff moves? Is that something that typically – you'll practice every day, once a week. How often do the players practice that? It's something that probably people should practice more often. It's kind of overlooked, I, I would think. Uh, I know when we're practicing uh, with USA, uh, we don't go a day without practicing them. Um, it's a big, we have PFPs, pitchers feeling practice. We get on the mound every day and they give us, you know, bunk, you know, bunk coverages that we get to cover, first and thirds, uh, comebackers, uh, where you go back to second base covering first base a lot of the times uh people don't think that you know 
pitchers have anywhere to be, but you're actually constantly going everywhere throughout the field and you got to know how to cover first base. If your first baseman's getting a diving play, you got to be there no matter what. So anything to that right side of the field, you got to be on your horse and ready to go. Um, the little things that you get to practice um, and, and pickoffs, you really don't need a field. You can do your pickoffs with playing catch with somebody. You just turn your body depending on what base you're working on. Um, and you can just practice playing uh, catch. We used to, before we actually warmed up or during our catch, we would do pickoffs throughout the time. Uh, so then we didn't have to think about them and it's already done while we put catch. Um, has, has anybody ever stole home on you? No, I don't think so. No, I don't know. I haven't got that one because I know that just happened and I saw that in the World Series um, and they tried that out. That's tough. I don't, I don't know what, I, what my reaction would be. I think I'd be really shocked, you know, and I guess they're trying to get you to balk too, you know, they're trying to get you to fidget and then, you know, you get a free base. Um, but no, I haven't, I've never had that one. <laughs> so do you think we'll ever see a female in the major leagues? Honestly, I got to say no. No, it's, it's really tough. I mean, it's hard for a male to make it. Uh, it you know, it's, it's, you know, when I was a little kid, that was my dream. It's like, I want to play for the Boston Red Sox. That was like my, my biggest admiration. But, um, you know, being through it and seeing how the world is and how hard it is to make it and just playing in high school was a big deal. And, uh, in, you know, just in a little town in, in California and then playing, you know, at a higher stage in, in college. And that was a ridiculously big idea. Um, uh, you know, I would say the independent ball and stuff like that, like kind of, you know, in the minors, and I, I can definitely see it. But making the show is a, a whole another, uh, whole another idea. I'd love to see it. I, I, I personally would like a league of their own, like the movie, and just have our own league, our own major leagues. Uh, that would be the dream. And it, there are talks of it maybe happening in the in the in the future. You know, lots of planning. But I've I've heard about it because I know the women's baseball world is like a P. So once you know one person, you know everybody. Uh, so yeah, I, I would love to play with with just a bunch of girls and and doing what we do with USA, but just throughout the year, you know. You know, it's kind of unfortunate there isn't a girls baseball league because you know there's golf and there's basketball and there's tennis and there's just about every other sport, yep. but not baseball. No, I mean, I mean they did it back in the day, you know, like a league of their own was based on true story. I've actually met a bunch of the girls that are really played in the league because there's they're always at our events you know they're supporting us they want us to they want us to continue to keep playing because they want to see like this big future in women's baseball and they want to be there to witness it one day uh, but it, I mean if it was done back then 50 60 years ago I, I mean 2020 I feel like we, we can be able to pull something off um, it's all about you know getting you know on the right attention uh, media attention and you know if people are gonna we're gonna have viewers and stuff like that but when we go to World Cups and stuff like that, international thing, we got thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming out to watch us. When I was in Venezuela, we had 16,000 people there and crazy fans. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's not that big in the U.S. It's not the biggest support as far as, like, uh, popularity, uh, as far as women's baseball goes. Asian countries, uh, Latin American countries, it's huge out there. Um, so, you know, if we get all on the same page globally, you know, working together, we can maybe do something. Uh, I love to see it. I love to see, turn on the, you know, the TV and watch the Red Sox and then turn the TV and watch, you know, the girls baseball, you know, that would be ideal. Well, hopefully with this podcast, we'll, we'll get the word out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any, 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 uh, one person at a time. That's what I always say, you know, I mean, because it's fantastic. I mean, I've seen you throw a baseball. It's amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, I always 
people see me play catch and I go, okay, imagine me and the 19 other me's and then this is our team. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really fun when you finally get to expose somebody to it. They're like, oh my gosh, this, this is awesome. You know, this is great. You recently made a short movie. Tell us a little bit about that and how you help coach in the movie, uh, the, the pitcher. Yeah, the, the, the kid that only hit homers. It was a really fun project to work with, with, a, you know, like a middle school age kids. Um, I had to teach a girl how to pitch. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. You know, I don't really get to do that, uh, let alone for a movie. Um, so it was really cool just working with them. They, these, uh, you know, kid actors, they were, they love, you know, learning something new and retaining information. And, um, we just had a lot of fun out there just being on the ball field every day. And, you know, it, it's cool being on a set and something I never really got to be a part of. And, uh, you know, meshing like the media I've had in front of me my entire life and then baseball and then kind of meshing them into a movie. I was like, this is like my whole world in front of me. So, um, it was a really cool, fun project and I can't wait for everyone to, to see it. it. It should be, uh, out there soon. <laughs> and what's the name of it again? The kid that only hit homers. So we'll look for that. that that's going to be, that'll be great. It's a, a big films. And Wayne Chesler was the producer who produced our film and he's a great producer. He must've been fun to work with. Oh yeah. We, we got along so well, just hanging out and, playing catch and stuff. Uh, we bonded. Uh, we were definitely the knowledgeable people on set as far as baseball. We, they needed our opinions a lot on set. <laughs> so tell me about your, your future. You know, when you're done playing baseball, coaching, I know you give lessons. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, right now, I guess it's hard to tell. Everything for me is shut down for this, like, this year pretty much. But uh, I want to say uh, when everything's all said and done, it, everything will be around baseball. I'm going to keep playing until I can anymore until I'm in my forties, like my former teammates. But, um, I would, I would love to get in, into media and, and sports and, and coaching and, and kind of balance all the, all the, all the two or three at a time or mesh them together. Uh, I love teaching kids, um, especially at the young age of like the middle school. I think it's like the best age because they want to learn high school. They kind of get, uh, you know, a little tougher, but I love, cause that's when I love baseball. My youth was like, Little League was my favorite time to play baseball, my favorite thing to look back on. And I think that's when you, you, that's when you figure out if you're really going to continue to play. Is this going to be something I enjoy and wanted to have a future with? Um, so I think that's just like the, the honeypot of uh, teaching kids. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see where, where life takes me. I've never heard what I think it would be where I am today. <laughs> well, I want to thank Marty Sementelli for joining me today. Uh, it's a, been a fantastic discussion. If somebody out there wants to get in touch with you, wants to learn more about you, how can they do that? Yeah, I have a lot of, you know, some, some kids that, you know, have questions about baseball. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's really easy. It's Marty Pitcher. Um, so they can DM me or if they have any questions, uh, I'd be happy to answer anything that they have. Well, thanks again, Marty Sementelli. Thanks for joining me. What a great discussion. And let's, let's, a big, uh, a big, uh, uh, clap for women's uh, baseball. And let's get out there and support it. Yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for the interview and I hope uh, we can get more girls baseball fans out there. Press boy feet. I have no idea how to say that. Press biopia? Presbyopia might be the ability to see Presbyterians. There are people who are afraid of the press. I have no idea what it is, honestly. 
Presbyopia. A condition in which the eye loses its ability to focus. Making it hard to see objects up close. I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. I have never heard of multifocal contact lenses, no. Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.